Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. This week's episode focuses on a film that has become a popular internet meme over the last couple of years. Well, over the last 10 years or so, I would say that it was so popular that it's pretty much burnt out by now. Or at least I hope so, considering the film is much better than the jokey reputation, mostly because of its unique star, Nicolas Cage. This film was also a box office flop and was also panned by critics. Thankfully, audiences have found it many, many years later. But I also hope that audiences see it for the good movie that it is, as opposed to just seeing it as a goofy, funny, meme Nicolas Cage film. Because it's oh so much more than that. With that, it's time to announce the movie. Starring Nicolas Cage, Maria Conchita Alonso, Jennifer Beals, and Casey Lemons. This is the 1988 Robert Bierman directed Vampire's Kiss. Nicolas Cage stars as Peter Lowe, a publishing executive who one night is visited by a woman, played by Jennifer Beals, who just so happens to be a vampire. She bites him, and then throughout the course of the movie, we get to see his transformation into a vampire himself. Peter Lowe is also not a very good guy. He's very abusive to his secretary, Alva, played by Maria Conchita Alonso. With Peter Lowe's transformation, this leads him down a path towards rape and murder. Alright, so with the plot out of the way, I just wanted to say that this episode will contain spoilers, so if you have not seen this film, I highly recommend you check it out. It definitely belongs in the black comedy category, as a lot of the things in the film are very humorous. However, it is a little bit darker than what you would think or expect. So, with the spoiler warning out of the way, let's continue with the episode. My first introduction to Vampire's Kiss was actually before it became a popular internet meme with that weird Nicolas Cage eyes popping out of his head smile, as well as the thing that actor Simon Helberg made popular, the alphabet recital, which is definitely a highlight of the film. It's very funny because it's just straight up odd. But it definitely works in favor of the movie. Nicolas Cage gives a performance here that is off the wall crazy. However, it really works for the film. It makes those dramatic parts at the end of the film where you may feel a little bit of sadness for the character all the more powerful. It doesn't excuse the things that he did in the film such as the rape of his secretary as well as the murder of an innocent woman. It's just that when you find out his descent into madness is because of a broken heart, it makes the movie a little bit more impactful and makes it a little bit more interesting than just a straight up person actually becoming a vampire or thinking that they're becoming a vampire. I actually love the fact that the film doesn't make any efforts to hide the fact that it's just Peter Lowe dissenting more and more into madness essentially becoming more of a psychopath. He actually has moments of clarity, which I assume would be quite normal for somebody going through such a thing, of where he realizes that he's not actually becoming a vampire and goes to buy some fake vampire teeth. He doesn't have enough money, so he buys the 350 cheapy versions of the vampire teeth, which is even more funny to see him running around with these in his mouth. 
We do get a lot of great comedic moments in this film from Nicolas Cage, and it's mostly because he sells it as far as being unhinged. I really can't imagine any other actor in this role, even though the original actor that was attached to this film was Dennis Quaid, which I can't even imagine this film being a Dennis Quaid-led film. He's a fine actor in his own right, however, he would have been completely wrong for this movie. Of course, this would have been made in the era where Dennis Quaid was still making fun films such as Inner Space and Dreamscape. It's just it would have been a severe miscast. The character of Peter Lowe required the complexity and care that Nicolas Cage gave to the role. Sure, the overall plot is a guy that thinks that he's becoming a vampire. We could take that as face value and that's just the movie itself. But there's so much more that the movie gives to us throughout dialogue. When you find out in the film that his descent into madness is because he fell in love and the woman wants nothing to do with him, it makes it a little bit more emotional than what you would expect. The last minute twist of when he sees this woman that's turning him into a vampire at a club, it's all the more impactful because she barely even remembers him, and yet he remembers her. So... Peter Lowe is a bit of a jerk with the way he treats his employee, treats his secretary, treats her very abusive-like. And this is all with him acting out. He seems to feel like his masculinity was threatened because he was dumped by a woman. So he uses his place of power to actually abuse his secretary. That makes him feel more in control. His loss of feeling in control is even alluded to a little bit earlier in the film when he's talking to his therapist who he is telling the therapist, well, his time's up. The therapist actually tells him, well, I'm the one that should be deciding that, not you. Peter Lowe is trying to keep control in his public life because he's simply losing control in his private life. He's not even nice to his on-and-off-again girlfriend, Jackie, played by Casey Lemons. I don't know if they were ever officially boyfriend-girlfriend, but he's always ditching her. He's in control. He's the one that's controlling their relationship, whatever that is or isn't. He always uses his charm to somehow bring her back into his life. Eventually, she gets wise to it all and thankfully kicks him to the curb. The most interesting thing about this film is that it's deeper than what it leads on to be. I wonder if all of Peter Lowe's meetings with his therapist, I wonder if she's actually real or not. At the end of the film, we see him have another meeting with his therapist, and this is where he has a full psychological break, and she simply tells him what he wants to hear. Maybe Peter Lowe was actually getting help for his issues and problems? I don't know, but at the end of the day, he is a failure of therapy. He even gets a new imaginary girlfriend who seems like the perfect mate for him, but yet we see him later having an argument with her where he's playing both parts. The new girlfriend, Sharon, as well as Peter Lowe. It's interesting, too, that the writer of this film, Joseph Minion, he was going through a tough time. He was in a toxic relationship and was in a deep depression. I think that's very apparent on the film itself, especially when it feels like the movie is an allegory for relationships with how they can affect somebody or people in different ways. In finding out that the screenwriter was in a toxic relationship, I thought it was interesting to apply that to a vampire and how it's basically sucking the life out of somebody. 
There's also a whole lot of behind-the-scenes stories on this film, which I'm not going to get into a lot of those here. But probably one of the biggest legends of this film is the fact that Nicolas Cage ate a live cockroach on screen. This is true. It's also funny that he had to do it three times to get the shot right. I can't imagine doing that, but hey, you have to admire his commitment to the craft. I've heard Vampire's Kiss be described as a horror comedy, and it's really not. I mean, there's horror elements for sure, but it's not really scary. And there isn't even a vampire in the film. It's all within his head. I think calling it a drama or a dark comedy is probably the most appropriate label for the film. It doesn't truly fit either, but it's definitely more comfortable there than in the horror genre. Vampire's Kiss is also assumed to be the movie that made Nicolas Cage into the human cartoon Nicolas Cage that we all know and expect from a lot of his roles. I honestly disagree with that. I think it probably started with the film Peggy Sue Got Married, as well as Raising Arizona. It's just that this is a further evolution of the way we would expect Nicolas Cage to act in further films. If you look at some of his older filmography, you simply have to admire that he was a fearless actor. He didn't care how people perceived him. He went over the top and still delivered a great performance. If there's any one person that I feel bad for in this film, it's the character of Alva. Sure, we can feel bad for Peter and how he's a tragic character. It's just that the character of Alva has to endure all of his abuse through his own personal suffering. She's somebody that doesn't deserve it. She seems like she is actually a good person with the way that she's shown in the film. It's a little bit sad that her mom tells her that this is what she's supposed to do in the workplace, that she's supposed to endure this abuse. However, her family doesn't know about the actual mental torture that she's put through that eventually becomes physical abuse. The only one that knows this is her brother because Alva actually opens up to him. It leads to a climax of the film that is justified, however, it's a little bit not satisfying. I can't see the film ending any other way, even if it does feel not exactly satisfying, especially since those last-minute twists actually felt pretty good and right for the story. Vampire's Kiss is a misunderstood film that thankfully has found an audience for possibly the wrong reasons. Hopefully you have seen the film before, or at least before listening to this episode, as I did spoil quite a bit, but... I was really thinking about this one after Nicole and I watched it last night. Vampire's Kiss has also been called a precursor to the film American Psycho, which I can see the comparisons. Some of the twists are very similar, however the two films themselves are only similar in some things, but completely different in other aspects. And I only touched a little bit on the history of this film, but I highly recommend going and doing a Google search to look at some of the crazy things that led to this production. It really is fascinating that this film had such a history behind it that had a lot of odd things on set thanks to its star, Nicolas Cage. But then again, we expect nothing less. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? 
Tell two friends for that matter, or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice, as it will allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, how could somebody misfile something? Um, I honestly don't know how somebody could do that. What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. Sure, the alphabet is easy, but uh, somebody could misplace the file. That's entirely possible. You just put it in the right file, according to alphabetical order. Right on, man. I totally get that. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, All right, well, I hope somebody is going to congratulate him for knowing his alphabet. Very good. You know your alphabet. Perfect. I'm glad somebody congratulated him for that. But anyway, be kind and good night.